Welcome to WWDMD, a podcast that is all about peeling back the curtain on what clinicians really think and feel as they work with others. My guests, clinicians, who are also sometimes clients themselves, risk their vulnerability as they publicly share their emotional reactions to their clients, disclose their challenges in doing the work, and reveal their personal backgrounds. I'm Dr. Myers. I'm a psychotherapist in New York City with 30 years of practice experience, special in anxiety and depressive disorders, as well as sibling relationships and family systems. I'm also a professor of social work at Malloy University on Long Island. I see this as a journey of self-reflection for not only our guests, but you, because with each episode, I'm hopeful that you will learn something new about yourself. Please note that any discussion of case details have been modified to protect the privacy of our clients. What would Dr. Myers do? Hi, all. Welcome to WWDMD. I'm Dr. Myers, and today we're going to talk about what it's like to be on a different page than your co-facilitator of a group. I'm here with Emily Brierley, and she is a social work student at Malloy University who had an experience where she not only had a different style than her co-leader, but also a different agenda. And to complicate matters, the group's purpose was to allow the participants to talk about their racial identity and experiences with racism, a heavy topic. So as a white female, Emily has to navigate her feelings about her racial and gender identity and confront her black male peer, who was the co-leader, whom she perceived as more experienced with both running groups and the topic at hand. So Emily... Tell us what went down. In my internship this year, I was at a place that had a lot of different programming for high school students. And so we had this one conference at the beginning of the year that was very specifically for high school students to learn about structural racism and learn how to combat it within their own schools and within their own lives and their neighborhoods. And so one aspect of the conference was entering into small group dialogue with some of the students. Now, a couple days before the conference happened, I was asked to just recruit somebody to to help out with uh, leading group dialogue because they weren't really sure what my skills were uh, coming to the table with micro social work. And to be very honest with you, I was very aware that they were non-existent. And so I had not really had any practice with relating to students, so my insecurity was very high. The person who I got paired with to do my small group dialogue came with a lot of experience. They were also a student, but they had they were in an organization that was micro-based and in which uh, they were able to practice with small groups, entering into dialogue and entering into support. So the day of the conference, I was really anxious about it. Even though this was an educational group and I was taking the role of just a facilitator in a lot of ways, I had a lot of anxiety. And my co-facilitator was like, okay, don't worry. Like, I'll take the lead if you really want me to. And like, if you want, you can just facilitate questions. And once you feel comfortable, you can start empathizing with the students as well. I was like, that's a really great plan. So let's do that. And then we went into the group and it began fine. I I was asking these questions to these students and this first part was about the students really bonding together, sharing experiences of experiencing racism. What I really quickly noticed was that my co-facilitator continued to kind of talk. And so I would introduce a topic 
and the students would understandably be quiet because whoever really talks about racism or whoever really has the, the opportunity to talk about racism and feeling awkward, I think, my co-facilitator, I think, I, I assume that it was out of feeling of awkwardness and this pressure, my co-facilitator, who was a person of color, would begin to talk about his experiences with racism. And it didn't really uh, stimulate dialogue. It really, what began to happen was that the students were then asking him questions about his experiences with racism. And the group took a turn from being an educational group with like this little hint of being a support group to just being, let's talk to this co-facilitator about his experiences. And though I was trying to bring back the dialogue to what it was supposed to be based on the agenda, and I recognized I was a little bit too caught into what was on the paper instead of what was actually happening with my group. And I wasn't so much meeting my group where they were at. I was just so overwhelmed by the situation that it had taken such a turn that my co-facilitator seemed to co-facilitator seemed to be comfortable with it taking the turn that it had and I'm almost appreciative of it <laughs> and enjoying it and it was it was a bit of a mess <laughs> very quickly there was also this aspect that he's a black male sharing experiences about racism and I'm a white female trying to usurp the the power of the group from him and so that racial dynamic was really messy in my head as well because I was aware of it but I didn't really know how to in front of these students who were trying to teach to be aware of microaggressions to be aware of like racial prejudices you know how that would play out in the students' minds uh, as a white person tried to silence and then take pack power from a black person also leading a group so it was a mess I think part of what happens is that your co-facilitator identified so deeply with the mm -hmm. topic that he became immersed in it. And as I was mm -hmm. listening to you, I became so identified with your experience of what it must be like to have been in that situation <laughs> and felt so powerless for a multitude of reasons. One, for, uh, because of your lack of experience and because he was assigned to you because he supposedly was more skilled at this, right? So there's a part of you that wants to acquiesce to his skill, he must know what he's doing, but also you were cognizant, cognizant enough, aware enough to recognize that maybe he didn't have as much experience uh, as was assigned to him. And then we have this power dynamic that's very real and that I think through previous conversations with you, you were struggling with your own white privilege and your own experiences with race. And so now you're thrust into the situation where you're supposed to be on an equal playing field or of equal power or in a situation where there is not a hierarchy uh, between co-facilitators and the ball is rolling and it's hard to kind of take the lead or the co-lead even. It doesn't seem like there's being space made for you to be a co-facilitator. Mm -hmm. And then the question comes up in you, I think that you were suggesting is, how do I take some of the power back and not make this about race or make him feel like this is about race when here you are sensitized, if not overly sensitized in this environment, where you're helping high school students talk about race and racism, <laughs> here you are caught up in a dynamic where you could potentially mm -hmm. be living it, but not really living it because this is coming from your own internal fear of being perceived in a certain way. Because in this situation, the both of you should have equal power. 
Mm. Right? Although, obviously, when people are co-facilitating a group, no matter what the gender, no matter what the topic, no matter what the race, oftentimes one person is in the leadership role, the other one is more in the supportive role, one might be the good cop, the other one might be the bad cop in terms of having to confront issues or individual clients within the group or somebody who's scapegoating somebody or somebody who's monopolizing the group, right? So you do inadvertently take on different roles within a group. Here it's interesting because in any group, there's an art of facilitation, right? And so it sounds like really what was happening is two beginners were struggling to find their place within a group. And even though this co-facilitator was I don't know, marketed to you or self-marketed themselves as having lots of experience, it sounds like, if I heard you correctly, they were still an intern working in a different setting where maybe they were exposed to running more groups than you had had the opportunity to do so, which doesn't make them a skilled facilitator. And so I think what can happen is that, as usual, there's always dynamics going on, not just in the client's but in our role as a social worker too, in wanting to do a good job, wanting to help a client, wanting to ensure that the client feels that you were helpful. And so everybody has their own way of manifesting and playing out that feeling. So again, not having the opportunity to speak to him about this, Mm -hmm. perhaps his way of feeling that he was doing a good job was to feel like, hey, I can relate to this topic and I'm going to educate you on how I maneuvered this, and you can learn from my experience, Mm -hmm. right? And so he just needed help navigating that. But since you are here, we can try and understand what was going on for you and what feelings came up for you being in a situation like this where you also have your own expectations about what your role is and what you want to happen in this situation and how you envision this going and, you know, all of your fantasies and realities and also your understanding of what you're supposed to be doing in that moment. And so how you rectify that or manage that while that was occurring. Mm. While it was occurring, I think, like, it was just internal screaming. Oh, no. Uh, I was the entire time trying to plot out how this was going to happen. And then as the day came to an end, because there was a second part of it, it continued just the same. And in the afternoon, there was the same, you know, kind of small group dialogue. And it continued in the same kind of fashion because I didn't know how to confront him about it or, or really bring up because he had felt, yeah, you're right. Like he had felt like he had done a great job and I didn't know how to break it to him that, I, this was this was bad, <laughs> and it was it was just really overwhelming because I just started to think in my own head like how am I going to justify this to my supervisor like how am I going to explain this situation like I knew it was bad as it was happening and that that's I think I was so overwhelmed by knowing like it wasn't going how I wanted it to like I I didn't even really have the thought of like how. How am I going to relate to my group before? Like, I, I, of course, like, did my pre-empathizing and trying to understand where the students were coming from. But I didn't know who was in my group until we were showing up that day. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know how to begin to even, like, kind of, I didn't have any idea how that group was really going to go. Because it was my first group. It was the first. And I think in my process recording, I was like, this is the first time I ever talked to people from a role of a social work intern, like, about emotions and about really using these micro skills that I'd spent my entire bachelor's, you know, career up until then learning about 
So it was a lot. And I didn't really have any expectations going in because I didn't know what it was going to even be. And so I guess my expectation was to learn, and I knew there were going to be bumps in the road, but none like the craters that I found. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have any expectations, yet you knew something didn't feel right. Yes. So let's go back to the okay. initial piece of what you were saying about I was screaming internally. <laughs> what, were you, what were you screaming? Just ah, no, like it wasn't. It was like shut up, like please let me talk. Like it was, it was. It, it turned into anger eventually, but like it started with like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. This is is this really how this is gonna go? Like and then it kind of turned into anger because I was like you're taking this experience away from me. Like I had this experience okay. that I I thought you know I I don't have really any experiences to at my that the agency that I was at because it's macro. I I sit and look at a computer most of the days and like I design things or I type stuff up or I make graphs and stuff like I, I do macro social work and it's still social work but I felt like I was losing this piece that all my other classmates were oh having. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So there's right. so much pressure on this one group experience, right? Because yeah. you have to play catch up with all of your peers who have been doing this mm-hmm. work and talking about it in the classroom yeah. and you finally have your, you know, moment to shine and poof, right? Yeah. It was completely squelched yeah, was that a good that's word, word. <laughs> i don't know if that's the appropriate word but uh <laughs> that's the image that con- I, I conjure up uh, is just that you were like a bug that was kind of yeah. stepped on and there was no room for you and mm-hmm. so you were trying to figure out how can i have a voice wow mm-hmm. that just makes me think about clients right here we strive to help them have a voice and you're struggling to have a voice mm-hmm. and how do you make room for yourself with somebody who's kind of overpowering the situation mm-hmm. so that i think is one piece because i imagine that the other piece is that you felt like this wasn't working towards the goal of what the group was supposed to achieve yeah. so you know it was kind of your own loss, personal loss, but also we're not doing what we set out to do here. Mm-hmm. And that's very aggravating because mm-hmm. you have a job to do, right? And you want to yeah. do well at your job. So when you say that you wanted to break it to him or you didn't know how to break it to him afterwards about this, quote, this was bad, right? <laughs> what did you want to say to him? I, I don't really even know. Like I, Because I, I couldn't articulate how it had gone wrong yet. Like I wasn't even processing yet that the way he was doing social work wasn't, like, and I understand, like, he was coming from an environment that was a little bit more educational as well, and in education, a big way that you kind of connect with the whoever you're educating is you share your personal experience, and you can, and you have that flexibility in education, but in social work, you can't really, like, you're, you're called to kind of hold back. What do you mean he was from education? He was, he was a social work major. He was a social work major, but he was in a, he wasn't even a, a placement that was... In educational placement? Oh, I see what you're saying. So, um, no, I don't believe so. But oh. <laughs> um, but interesting, nonetheless, yeah. that you're saying, you know, as a point of empathy, right, yeah. is to try and understand that he was being trained in a certain mm-hmm. way. And so he was bringing his knowledge, uh-huh. right? And, yeah. and maybe he was. I'm now... I'm, uh, I'm the director of field audience, so I should know where every student is placed, but I cannot re- retain where this particular student was. So maybe he was in an educational environment, but nonetheless, I think that that's an interesting point of empathy. If you could have some empathy in this situation is that everybody's being trained 
differently, mm. right, based on the population that they're working with. But we know, also know that social work is not a one-stop shop and that mm. not every intervention works well with every population. Yeah. So that had to be taken into consideration yes. was context, right? Mm-hmm. Here we're trying to do something specific. And so maybe this speaks to there needing to have been better communication before the two of you co-facilitated. So any time that people are co-facilitating a group, you certainly shouldn't just walk in cold, right? Not having had a discussion with each other, what's your style? How do you tend to work? What kind of role do you see yourself playing? What are are the needs of the group in this context? What are we trying to accomplish, right? So that you can try to get to be on the same page as much as possible, though preparation never guarantees that, right? That somebody doesn't say to you one thing when you're in conversation and you walk into a situation and it was like we never had the conversation. I'm sure you can relate to that on many different spheres, right? Not just... Pretty much what happened. But that is what happened here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that you did have the conversation. We had a conversation beforehand Uh, and it just like... And I mean, given I I kind of appeared weak in the conversation because I was like, I have no idea what we're kind of walking into and I'm really unfamiliar with how to handle a group right. and so like I, I offered to him take the lead and he was he was understanding of that as I said before like he was he said like once you feel comfortable like start taking a lead too and I was like oh okay that, that'll work because I'm sure I would feel comfortable eventually but what I kind of agreed to beforehand was like I'll take handling of like the logistical concrete like there was this task we were assigned to do at right. the very end of the group so like I would take a very concrete role of right. understanding the group and kind of coming up with themes and then putting them down on these paper, which was the concrete task. But, like, with the discussion that was the precursor to that task, yeah, the co-facilitator would take care of that and and kind of lead us through it. But it was just the fact that it was, you know, it was an abandonment of the prompts that we had kind of uh, been suggested to use and kind of been asked to use more than suggested. And it was, it took on a different head than I thought it was going to take and so well I can understand that being incredibly frustrating you have a discussion with somebody mm-hmm. you know it's like any relationship you have a discussion with somebody you tell them what you expect mm-hmm. and what we're going to do and then they totally abandoned the whole discussion as though it never yeah. occurred so yeah that's very frustrating I do think that as important as preparation is is processing thereafter Mm-hmm. So when one experiences a group, we talk about how do you think it went? This is what I was feeling. We had talked about running the group in a certain way. It seemed to have gotten off course. What do you think happened? Mm-hmm. I would pose that to my co-facilitator. But this is another aspect of confrontation, right? Yeah. And processing how you're feeling as I've said in working with clients, doesn't necessarily, like when you have to confront a client, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be done angrily or confrontation doesn't mean something so negative as we tend to have internalized. You can confront in a very pleasant way through discussion of this was my experience, what was your experience? Mm -hmm. So I think we have to get comfortable with the discomfort. It was definitely a learning experience because like it was my first time. So I didn't know what to expect and I didn't know how to deal with it and for a first time I think it could have gone a lot worse it was it was weird how it did end up happening and unfortunate that we didn't have the 
the group kind of discussion that we did. But I will say the next week we had a very the exact same program put on. It was just a second conference of the same series. And it was the same group dialogue that had to happen. And I said I had the same group facilitator. The same group facilitator. Same exact mm-hmm. co-facilitator for the mm-hmm. second time. And I kind of said to him at the beginning, I'm going to take the lead. <laughs> I was like, just just hang out. Like it's okay. Like just just hang out. I feel conf- confident now, and I did. And I, it was it was challenging, and it was hard, and it was terrifying. <laughs> it was it was funny to see his reaction to that, which was kind of just to check out. <laughs> I said, "I'm going to take the lead because uh, I don't know. I think he was mirroring what I had done the previous week." <laughs> um, oh, you don't feel like he was present? Oh, in the I know group. he wasn't present. And you and you felt you checked out as well in the group that he the week, took the over. The week prior. But that was almost out of panic. Checking oh, yeah. out, out of panic. He yeah. was just checking out. Like, we were sitting in a group table, similar to this. We're sitting around a conference room here. Yeah. And he got up from the table and just started looking at things on the walls okay. while students were sharing their experiences. Okay. Shouldn't be laughing. It's a terrible thing. But Well, why you know, are you laughing? I don't know. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And so... That turn and everything else. Yeah, I'm thinking about how that had to create feelings in you, too. So here you are. You finally were able to have your moment in the spotlight, right, and create that room for you. And at the same time, you're aware that what he should be doing, he's not doing. So the first time, he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing by kind of taking over the group and doing a lot of identifying with the topic, right, to the group. Mm -hmm. And this time, he's checked out. And serving as a bit of a distraction to you, right, as you're trying to now be the primary facilitator of the group. Mm-hmm. So uh, kudos to you that you got through it and that you rose to the challenge, that you created the space that you needed to create for yourself in order to have the experience that you wanted to have, needed to have, and probably offered the participants a more fulfilling experience. Hope. You hope. Is that what I you hope. said? Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. I think sometimes we also have to do the best that we can do given the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think you did. Thank you. So I think, or I hope, that co-facilitation is much more complicated than meets the eye. For beginners, it can seem an easy solution to managing anxiety because you get to have someone by your side and someone to share the responsibility of pressure that you may feel to be on your best game. But as Emily experienced, it could also become the stressor. Even seasoned professionals have challenges navigating co-leadership, and by definition, collaboration requires the skill of working with others, the skill of addressing differences in perspectives, and the skill of negotiation. So it's an art form. And in both its benefits and hardships, what's most important is to have the ability to openly communicate with your co-leader, ensuring that there are shared goals, clear roles, and genuine mutual respect. So we're living in an era of heightened cultural sensitivity, and Emily's challenge of collaboration was multifaceted. She was so on point to consider the role and the impact and the function of her own and her co-leader's racial identity. And this is something most of us shy away from. I do work with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and so I'm compelled to return to this topic in an upcoming podcast because we really cannot ignore the obvious, and if anything we must remember, it's that keeping the unspoken unspoken infringes on the mutuality of partnership, whether it's with a client, a coworker, an organization, or community. 
I look forward to engaging in that kind of dialogue in the future. So thank you, Emily, and thank you to all those listening. Until next episode, be well, everyone. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have a question for me, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Myers Pod. That's D-R-M-E-Y-E-R-S-P-O-D. And send me a DM for a chance to get your question answered on the podcast. I've got some problems, yeah, I've got some questions. I need some help, point me in any direction. Clinical guidance is what I need to help me become who I'm meant to be. I've been searching for a teacher, another point of view. And I've been asking myself, what would Dr. Myers do?